Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. The Money Pit is presented by Diamond Crystal Salt. The benefits are bigger than you expected. After all, you're worth your salt. Diamond Crystal Salt. A brilliant choice since 1886. Money Pit. If your basement needs a pump, all your plates look like a dump. You live in a Money Pit. Money Pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it 888 Money Pit. Coast to Coast at Floorboards to Shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we'd like to welcome you to a very special edition of the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Today we are in Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey, and we are broadcasting from the wrap party for the 34th season of This Old House. And today they completed production on a very special series that covered a topic near and dear to our hearts. The season is called This Old House, Jersey Shore Rebuilds, and it chronicles what this part of the country is going through to repair or replace the more than 80,000 homes that were damaged or destroyed by Hurricane Sandy just one year ago next month. Now, the eight-week series premieres this week, so be sure to check your local PBS listings for that. And we will also be covering the episodes as they air with special behind-the-scenes reports that we've been privileged to capture with exclusive access to the production team over the past several months. And today's show and the series that follow are presented by Red Devil. Red Devil has been providing quality adhesives, sealants, and tools that are made in the USA since 1872. For special offers and the latest in Red Devil's innovative products, visit SaveOnRedDevil.com. Now, telling a story of this magnitude is always a challenge, and this old house took a unique approach to chronicling the rebuilding efforts of three Jersey Shore homeowners, which is a first for the show. You're going to hear from those homeowners and get tips on what it takes to build a home that can handle just about anything and any weather event that may occur. And this hour, we'll also learn what it takes to bring a hurricane-ravaged community back to its feet, including how so many homes have to go up to be rebuilt. Plus, we'll hear about the damage the hurricane waters caused to the local landscape and some valuable lessons about the kinds of plants that can survive this kind of destruction and those that don't. But first, we want to welcome the mayor of a town that's become synonymous with New Jersey, first because of a reality TV show and then because of the reality of the incredible images of that giant jet star roller coaster sitting smack in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Bill Akers is the mayor of Seaside Heights, New Jersey, and is joining us now with a firsthand account of the destruction that his community faced. Welcome, Bill. How are you today? Well, we're well. The question is, how are you and how is Seaside Heights doing almost a year now since Hurricane Sandy put uh, put you on the map in a way that you never imagined? I think we're well on our way. 
Uh, I've seen progress each and every month. Each month has gotten better than the previous, and uh, we're thrilled that uh, although that we didn't have the summer that we wanted to have, we're thrilled at the way the progress is moving along, and we're very, very hopeful for the future. Well, take us back to uh, to the days before the storm and the preparation you guys went through, and then that, that fateful night. What was going on in Seaside Heights then? Well, the first thing was is that uh, we had to get out and start notifying the people uh, that uh, it was a uh, mandatory evacuation, and our job at that time was to get as many people out of Seaside Heights and over the bridge as possible. I think we did a a pretty good job at that. Uh, we got approximately about 90% of the people out. Uh, there were some that, uh, unfortunately, during the night of the storm had to be rescued uh, because, you know, we've, we've, ha- we've been down this road many times before. Uh, you know, you're going to have a storm, and it always veers out to this, it veers out to sea. Well, this one didn't. Yeah, and despite your best efforts, I mean, there's always going to be those people that want to, <laughs> that they think they're I tough enough stay. to stay there, right? Sure, that's correct. So at what point during the evening did you guys recognize the severity and, and, and how bad it was going? Were you in touch uh, in any way with what was happening on the island? Yeah, we stayed. I stayed and uh, with the first responders and um, members of the police department and fire department. We, we stayed. Uh, and once we were about the, where our command center was set up, is about uh, three blocks from the ocean, and once we saw the water creeping up in front of the building, uh, we knew how serious it was going to be. It was, it was, it was different. Uh, it had to feel the look of everything being different. And then with the tides being so close with the ocean coming up first and then the bay coming up right behind it about uh, five hours later, uh, the entire town went, went underwater. Now, Mayor Akers, you know, Tom is in New Jersey, I'm in New York, and I think we were all just so amazed at how quick the media was to show us the images of that Jetstar roller coaster sitting right in the ocean. I mean, it was a disaster, but there was something really beautiful about that disaster, even though we knew, you know, the reality of it. What were you guys thinking when you saw that Jetstar go into the sea? That was um, uh, probably the most iconic picture coming out of this this storm was the the Jetstar going into the uh, water, and I remember... When daylight hit and people started saying, hey, the jet starts in the water, it's in the water, and uh, having to make our way up to the beach to take a look at it, just to see it, to believe it, and how it just kind of dropped down and sat there. Uh, it was in the upright position just sitting there, and um, pretty much until the day it was removed, it sat there. Uh, maybe it moved five or ten feet from the original position that it went in. We're talking to Mayor Bill Akers. He is the mayor of Seaside Heights, New Jersey. Now, you're a community that depends heavily on your summer visitors. I know you worked very hard to get the boardwalk back up. How was this summer for you in Seaside Heights? Did uh, did all the tourists come back? No, they didn't all come back. It was uh, it was um, pretty much a fight, but we, we um, anticipated that we were going to be down some. So when we did our put our budget together, we went down about 25%. In reality, I think when everything settles in, um, we'll probably be somewhere around 30% down uh, as opposed to last year's numbers. Uh, but you can look at it as 30% down or 70% up. And, I mean, there was mm-hmm. a, there was many days after the storm that we didn't even think we were going to be open. So I'd rather look at it as we were 70% up uh, and that uh, we had an opportunity to um, do something that, 
maybe we didn't want to do, but we certainly stepped up to the plate and got ourselves ready and got the municipality open and, and put our best foot forward. Mayor Bill Akers from Seaside Heights, New Jersey, thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit and telling us about this incredible story of disaster and recovery at the Jersey Shore. Thank you for having me. All right, still ahead, this old house cast member Richard Trithui is joining us to talk about the need and the dangers of lifting Sandy-damaged homes, as well as the hazards of the debris-ridden waterways that were left in Sandy's path. Plus, we'll hear from one homeowner who paid her house off only weeks before the storm and had it totally destroyed. Hear her tale of resilience and recovery when the Money Pit's coverage of this old house, Jersey Shore Rebuilds, continues after this. The Money Pit is brought to you by Stanley Tools, celebrating their 170-year anniversary. At Stanley, making history is our future. To learn more, visit stanleytools.com. Welcome back to the Money Pit's coverage of this old house, Jersey Shore Rebuilds. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And the progress here is amazing to see. Lots of residents are back in their homes, but there are still hundreds of others who just aren't. And for them, rebuilding and moving on is still a dream. Yeah, and the reality is it will take years to come back to the way it was. And really, it will be more likely to just be a new normal. Now, we're seeing it already. Many more dunes and berms are being built to help protect the homes. And many more homes are just standing eight or ten feet up in the air. But we're also seeing the beaches full of shore visitors and the waterways full of boaters as well. And those waterways actually had to be tested and cleared. And that part of the project was covered by Richard Trithui of This Old House. So, Richard, welcome to the program. Nice to see you guys. Now, tell me about this. It's so uh, unusual to think about it. You know, when you go, when you're a boater, you go through the water, you always have the back of your mind, gee, I could hit something that's below the surface. But that was a real issue here, wasn't it? Right. I mean, the bay is really the lifeblood for so many of these houses. Everybody wants that water view and there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of homes, I should say, right on that bay, uh, Barnegat Bay and all the bays that behind the Barrier Islands. Well, guess what? Everything that was on the shelter, the Barrier Islands, right. the decks, the cars, everything, the houses ended up in the bay. And so where once you had a, a silty bottom, you might run aground, it was no big deal. In this case, you could run aground and hit an, and there was also hazardous stuff, oil tanks and, and fuel tanks and propane tanks. So there was a major job to get all the floatsome and jetsome that was sitting that used to be people's homes out of the bay. You know, it was amazing when I got a chance to tour it after it happened, the things that float yeah. <laughs> that you had no idea. Yeah. I saw a massive steel dumpster yeah. that floated across the water right. and landed on somebody's deck. You put a sail on it, you could go across the Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about this sonar technology that you had a chance to see firsthand. Well, How does that work? Well, that was one of the great tools is to be able to see what's w- there because it's also silty. You, you can't do it visually. You could try to go high enough in a helicopter or plane to try and pinpoint some mm-hmm. of the big pieces. But sonar was such a more precise precise way to do it, uh, and they could pinpoint it, pick it off, tag it, and then uh, get it pulled up. And some of that stuff was big. I mean, it was houses. I mean, wow. it was serious stuff. Uh, and the other uh, thing that happened was all of the beach that used to be on the ocean side of the Shelter Island went into the bay. And so now you had to also get all that stuff out. So once the big chunks were taken out, so to speak, the, now the bigger ch- as big a challenge was to say, let's get all this sand. Let's have a barge with a uh, backhoe on the barge. Now we pick the, the muck out of it with the sand, wow. out, put it onto a barge. 
The barge comes over to the beach. Another bar, another backhoe picks that out, goes through a filter, pumps it into a thing, pumps it across, and they've been doing that for almost nine months, ten months, trying to get the the, the sand, all the sand from the where, sand, from where yeah. it landed Correct. to where it started. Right, but it, when it went into the bay, it became in a place that was potentially contaminated, so you had to filter every mm-hmm. bit of it. Nobody wow. realized the engineering challenge that has been to bring that shore back. Well, and I imagine you really have to test the quality of water at this point yeah. because you can't open the water up for swimming and That's fishing right. and That's just right. enjoyment without knowing it's okay. That's right. It flushes pretty well you know with each tide but there's so much stuff that went in there i think i think they've knocked off the worst of it now i think right after the storm mm-hmm. i think you'd be very worried but you can feel the quality of the water coming back you know that that, that whole bay washes out beautifully every day so Twice as, a, a day. As, as a plumber this is like the largest plumbing project there, right? ever seen. that's right that's right that's right it's all about the water Hey, let's talk about uh, some of the choices that the homeowners faced here. You know, one, of course, was tearing down or lifting up. Now, I know that you worked on a house that actually was torn down, and we're going to hear from that homeowner shortly. But, you know, what are some of the considerations when these folks are making those decisions? Well, I tell you, I... I knew the term prefabricated modular, and I had a perception of what that means. You know, it's a house that's built in the factory, and when it first started, it was really the equivalent of trailer park construction, mm-hmm. and you had this this view of it. And then what we saw with this particular uh, part of our story in Manasquan, the Rita Gurry, who you'll meet, is an amazing character. house was all paid for, and the house got completely filled with water. She took it down, and then in its place, we drove pilings and then had a prefabricated modular house. Now, that house was built in a control factory. It was built with two-by-fours glued and screwed. It was, it was completely engineered. All the plumbing and electrical was put in at the factory. And what, what happens in the case of this Jersey Shore, there is more demand than the contractor base can even handle. So going forward, I don't think I've ever seen a better place where prefabricated modular makes all the sense because you can literally order the house you want. You see it on computer first. You can could take a 3D view inside. You decide what house you want, and it shows up that way. And most of it's painted uh, and trimmed out. So it's, I, think it's, I think it's a powerful way to get the shore back. Would you go so far to say that a prefab home can be better built than stick homes? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. That's the a- idea of taking two-by-fours and dumping them off the back of a truck into a pile <laughs> of snow and thinking you're going to get a level plumb and true house all the time, I don't think you're going to get it as strong. Well, and I don't think that ever happens. Yeah, it does too. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, one more question before we uh, let you go. One of the problems here was the infrastructure, the gas lines and the yeah. water lines. Yeah. What's being done to shore them up? Because I know that some of them actually exploded. Yeah. It, well, everything got rejiggered. I mean, when, when Mantaloking breached, this, uh, one of the towns uh, right in the center of the, 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 the barrier island, it broke every gas line and, and really severed the island. They've rebuilt that. And then most of these houses, when they got blown off their pins, anybody that had a gas connection, it was spewing gas. So there was a big deal to get mm-hmm. that all back. Mo- that's mostly controlled now. But uh, people forget, you know, we take it for granted. We turn on water and we turn on gas and it just shows up magically. But yep. part of this is the, the hidden part you don't think about. And that all has had to be worked on over the last year. And thankfully, a lot of that has yeah. been done and, and, and will continue yeah. Yeah. for many years to come, I'm sure. Richard Trithui, plumbing and heating contractor for this old house. Thanks for the great work you did on this old house, Jersey Shore Rebuilds. Everybody should come down and visit the shore. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, broadcasting from what just one year ago was ground zero for her 
Hurricane Sandy. Now, when it comes to rebuilding, one of the options these homeowners had was to go prefab. Modular homes are built in a factory setting where weather doesn't affect the building process and quality control is always top-notch. Rita Gurry is one of those homeowners. Her home in Manasquan was just recently paid off, of course, when Sandy came in and forced her to start all over again. Rita, welcome to the Money Pit. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. So what was it like seeing your house for the first time after this incredible storm? Well, I um, I went in a day after the storm. I uh, anticipated that it would be bad because friends of mine managed to get at, gain access to my house the day before. Right. And they kind of apprised me of the situation that it was not pretty. I, I, op- I opened my door. I, I knew that it was going to be bad. It was it was beyond bad. I had just put brand new floors down in my house uh, in September, and, and the whole bottom floor, wood floors. I opened my door. The first thing I looked at it was my, was my floors, and I just said, oh, my God. They were so beautiful two days ago. And then I looked around. I saw all my furniture that used to be in place it was in different rooms. It had floated into my living room. Oh. Furniture was in the bedroom. Wow. The, the, the mattress was like askew on the floor. Everything was just on its side. My dining room chairs were in other air, mm-hmm. other rooms, and I just I walked through the, the the bottom of my house, and I I didn't even go upstairs because I knew the floodwaters didn't get there. But you know, I, I I took a deep breath. I looked around for ten minutes. I stood in my kitchen. I looked in my bathroom. I saw that the sewage was not over over the top of my toilet. It was it was it was in the tub. It was wow. everywhere. And I just said to myself, "There's no way I can fix this." And I made a decision um, almost instantly that I'm going to tear this down. I have flood insurance. I'm going to tear it down, and I'm going to I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to make a new life here. Now, I had the privilege of actually being um, at your house when the new modular home that you opted to go with was being lifted into place. Right. What were your emotions that day? Well, after seeing my old house boomed and torn down, um, I was a little disheartened. But watching the house come in in, in pieces. My spirits were so uplifted. I, I just, I really felt that my life was back. It's right. coming mm-hmm. back. And, you know, I, I just paid it off in September. Sandy came October 29th. I had a month of uh, no bills. And it's one of the situations where you, you don't have a choice. You can either just put your hands up in the air and get frustrated. Right. Or you can just, you know, tango on. And I knew that I just had to do what I had to do. And, and if that involved, you know, more money and getting back into debt, then I have to do that. I actually felt, you know, like... I had a connection again with my home. Right. And right. it was it was so wonderful to see within an hour or two of it being set, I was able to go up the back stairs into my house and right. actually see my kitchen cabinets. Yeah, and in fact I, I took a picture of you yeah. in your new kitchen literally hours yeah. after the building was set. It's just we have that amazing. online at MoneyPit.com. It's amazing. It's just amazing. Yep. And I could conceptualize my whole home. I could conceptualize them where I'm going to be sleeping. Right. You know, where my family is going to be upstairs, my brother Tom and, and Mike and, and and I just I just I felt so good. It you know, all that anxiety that I had been harboring for months and months and months, it just it it, it went away. And I mean it had to be of terribly displacing feeling to know that Everything you'd worked so hard for was just a lot at that point. Well, you know, it's it's not it's not only was it just a lot, but all my personal possessions that you know um, that you know I I had for years and years furniture of my mom who passed away last right. year as well. That you know it it was just completely like someone robbed me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when my when the when the units came in, it, it, they literally gave my my life back and. Um, 
from that point on, I've been so hopeful and I've been so, my spirits is so uplifted. So how's the house look today? The house is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Great. When I tell you something, and um, I had a short window to, you know, furnish everything for the, yep. you know, the shooting for this old house. And I, I literally, for two weeks, I worked day and night and I pulled it off. Great. They had the shoot on Tuesday. That is one of my greatest accomplishments. You must just I, be feeling so relieved. I'm so relieved and it came out so well, mm-hmm. you know, and the house itself is just beautiful. It's just beautiful. And how much fun was it working with this old house? Let me tell you something. This team is, they're like, um, they're incredible. They're like God's gift. They're God's gift. One is better than the other. I mean, Rich, who I worked with closely, Sarah, Deborah, um, Jay, the cameraman, who's like a monkey, he jumps on the roof. You know, he's he's <laughs> everywhere. Get the shot. Awesome. He gets the shot. Um, Cliff and Griff, and um, and the director Tom. One is better than the next. I felt like I was with old friends, and people said, "Aren't you intimidated to do this this filming?" And and I was initially, but let me tell you something. They made it so easy. They it was like being home with them. Rita Gurry, congratulations on completing your home and getting back in. Oh, thank you so much. You guys have to stop by. I will make you feel at home. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. We'll be back with more from the Jersey Shore after this. The Money Pit is presented by Arrow Sheds, the leader in steel storage sheds and buildings. Steel sheds are durable, secure, and a great value. Arrow Storage Products, available at national home centers, hardware stores, and online. See a complete line of products at sheds.com. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Now, when millions of gallons of salt water driven by Hurricane Sandy flooded the miles of coastline, it wiped out vegetation in droves. But what was very interesting is that some of the vegetation survived and some of it didn't. To find out why, we welcome now Roger Cook, the landscaping contractor on TV's This Old House. Welcome, Roger. Well, thanks for having me. So you and I were talking about this before the show, and you made a stunningly obvious to to, to you, but to no one else, uh, comment that you could tell by seeing this vegetation what was imported and what was natural, what belonged here and therefore survived the storm, and what people had brought in over the years and did not survive the storm. It was pretty interesting. Well, salt is a great mineral, except when there's too much of it, and especially right. when it comes to vegetation. And you just walk by and you notice that some plants are just burnt. You know they're gone. They're never going to come back again. But then you got to be careful because some of the native plants may lose some needles or leaves. Mm-hmm and then sprout out and come back again. So it's knowing what species is and what form of, it's called desiccation, that's actually happened to them. Now, do you think it's because the proximity to the salt water just through evaporation and air movement that the local plants are sort of used to the salt content? Right. You think about it. They've grown up in this climate and they get flooded every three, four or five years. They get covered with salt and sprays and they've grown to handle that. These new ones we bring in are, are interior plants. They're living in, some of them aren't even from this country. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they come in and they're put in this stressful environment. They don't handle stress well. 
Let's talk about the environment that we find ourselves here. One of the reasons that Hurricane Sandy all up and down the East Coast was so devastating was because of the barrier islands. Surrounded by the Atlantic Ocean on one side, the Bay Waters mm-hmm. on the other, and basically they met and pretty wiped much everywhere. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they pretty much met and they wiped out all of the infrastructure, all of the homes, all of the cars that were in between um, that area. Development in here uh, in that kind of scenario is has to be much different than you see farther inland and perhaps different than you guys see up in Boston. What struck you in, in seeing the damage and the work that has to be done here? It, it was truly amazing to see the force of that water and what it can do and what it can carry away. I mean, literally lifting houses off of their foundations and moving them down the street, eating away huge holes in the barrier islands that were here and allowing that water to just cut through and flood everything that had never been flooded before. In fact, it cut one island in half. That's right. Literally mm-hmm. right in half. Mm-hmm. Took out a bridge and cut it in half. And now they're in the process of figuring out how to recreate these barrier islands and it's very hard to do with the houses and there's all sorts of ideas being thrown around of different types of barriers to put up some it's one one of the places they're burying huge boulders and then covering them with sand and other vegetative things they've done so it's interesting to see it and you had a great opportunity to visit the Island Beach State Park, which is pretty much one of the last undeveloped areas here. Can you tell us about that? It was amazing to drive into that place and walk up and see things that have been untouched. Just let Mother Nature do what she wants. And you discover that there's a series of these coastal banks, barriers. They don't work as a single one. There's like three or four different layers. And it slows the water down and it stops it from carrying all the way through in the erosion. And the beach grass here grows out into the sand. It's really amazing how it spreads. The wind blows the sand up on top of it, and then the, the roots grow into that, and it makes a stabilizing mat, and it just continues its growth along these things. And that's an effort that's been ongoing uh, in the, even in the years leading up to Sandy. You know, a lot of these towns try to plant beach grass, and they have all kinds of signs and warnings to stay off of it. They don't want the kids playing on it, because that really is what holds it all together, isn't it? Well, people don't realize that it, we're doing this for a purpose. We're not just spending money because we have money to spend. And like you probably see that with this grace planning don't go on it and then a pathway that's cut mm-hmm. all the way through it now that's creating a weak, weak point in that so that down the road the water will find that weak point right. and work its way through so stay off the berms <laughs> now do you think with all of the lessons that you saw at the state park is that something that in reconstructing these barrier islands and in the developed areas that they're looking to recreate they are they're going to try to recreate that but in some cases you don't have the space to do it enough that mother nature would slow down the Mm -hmm. water so they're going to try to create bigger ones or higher ones and that's some of the things you've seen as you go along here some of the higher dunes that have gone in to stop that initial rush of water roger you spent several months down here filming uh, season 34 congratulations on another very successful season by the way uh you've talked to a lot of these victims um what's your impression of the people that live here in the shore <laughs> they're tough as nails and ready to rebuild i mean there wasn't a question in 90 percent of them maybe 99 percent that they were all coming and they were going to rebuild yep. yeah there was the occasional one where there wasn't the money there or they just weren't going to put the effort in but the most part i'm amazed to see what it looks like now when i was here earlier this year i never thought it would progress as far as it has well, and, well and i think so many people you know you have a history with an area and even though you understand that the potential for something like this to happen again is pretty likely you know you want to invest in your life your home your area and that's where you see all the people who've raised their houses up they've gone to the trouble to do it right so that the next storm they won't have that problem they won't have that surge knocking their house off but it's uh 
it's a big investment of time and money, and it's pretty amazing to watch it happen down here. Well, thanks so much for uh, participating in the rebuilding effort and chronicling it for the millions of people that are going through it. You know, we really appreciate it. Roger Cook, the landscaping contractor from TV's This Old House, thanks so much for being a part of this very special broadcast. Thanks for having me down. All right, still to come on the Money Pit's coverage of This Old House, Jersey Shore Rebuilds, one of the biggest challenges of producing a television program on the rebuilding efforts of a major disaster is figuring out which stories are the stories to tell. So up next, we're going to find out how This Old House's producers tackled this challenge and what they learned about the people of this community in the process. You live in a money pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by the new Chamberlain Garage Power Station, an air inflator, utility cord, and LED task light, all together in a new three-in-one tool, exclusively at the Home Depot. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And as these homeowners here in the Jersey Shore rebuild from Sandy, there's an opportunity to improve their energy efficiency. But even if you're not rebuilding, now is the perfect time to make sure your home is well insulated to keep your heating and cooling costs down. A very simple check is this. If you can see the floor joists in your attic, you don't have enough insulation. Now, if you think that adding insulation is a hard, messy, and maybe even painful job, you need to check out the new EcoTouch insulation from Owens Corning. EcoTouch insulation from Owens Corning. You can feel the difference. The new generation of fiberglass insulation is soft to the touch. It's easy to install. And EcoTouch is made with 99% natural ingredients, which are plant-based and much less irritating. It's also formaldehyde-free. EcoTouch also provides temperature and sound control, so you can expect lower monthly heating and cooling costs when this project is done. Yeah, check out homedepot.owenscorning.com for some more product information and some easy weekend project ideas, or you can call 1-800-GET-PINK. Now, behind the team of talent that you see on camera at this old house, there's also a team of pros that make it all happen. And this season was a little more challenging than most because instead of one TV set that was also a construction zone, there are actually three. That's right. Sarah Monson is the producer with This Old House and was on the ground for this. And she's joining us now with a scoop on the behind-the-scenes prep that goes into bringing This Old House to your TV screen. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Good to be here. Now, when you first landed at the Jersey Shore, I had the privilege of meeting you and the team when you guys first got to my neighborhood, so to speak. Um, Were you just overwhelmed by the devastation? Completely. I had never seen anything like it in my life. It was a war zone as far as I was concerned. And while you're used to maybe just finding one perfect house, I mean, all your seasons, 34 years, have been trying to find that one perfect house season after season after season. Now you just had hundreds and hundreds of houses, even in this small area, to choose from. Yeah, I mean, I think um, whenever I'm asked about this project, that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's the hardest part of it is how do you choose? And we've talked about this before. I mean, how do you choose the project that you focus on? Because... Um, I know if I were living here, I would go around in a blur all day long, just looking around me. And I know that a lot of people did and still Mm -hmm. are. Yep. Uh, I can't imagine having to recover from something like this, let alone rebuild in the same place with unknown resources, with unknown help, with unknown infrastructure around me. I mean, just whole, when you learn the whole story of mantelloking and the fact that they had to rebuild the whole town and everything underground, um, you know, where do you start? Now, did so. you come in here anticipating to do three homes or were you just 
so profoundly affected by the devastation that it led its way to three. I think, and my hat's off to Deborah Hood, my senior producer, for this whole dis- this whole discovery process. We came down here the first time thinking, we don't even know if we can come here. We don't even know if there's a place for us to stay. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't even know if there are builders working, let alone homeowners who can afford to pay them. You right. know? I mean, we didn't know what we were going to find. We were very fortunate to have hooked up with um, Cindy Knapp at KSI Engineers, who steered us in the right direction. She and um, Pat and Kevin at KSI piled us in a van and took us around and showed us the wreckage and showed us actually, most helpfully, a few projects that they had already been working on and doing assessments of. And that's where we started to really understand that from an engineering perspective, how you get your head around what's the first step in repairing or rebuilding these homes and what is smart rebuilding. Um, Because none of us had ever seen anything like this before. Now, one of the challenges that uh, we faced here in New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, uh, Long Island, all the areas that were affected by Hurricane Sandy, um, is trying to figure out what exactly we're supposed to do to stay consistent with code. There's been a lot of development in terms of how high the homes have to be, uh, and nobody wants to make that step in starting that project until that's worked out. Did you run into any of those t- sort of regulatory um, you know, stumbling blocks as you were working with these three homeowners? All three of our homeowners ran into that. Yep. Um, I think possibly with the exception of the one that was a new modular build mm-hmm. where they had been there, done that before, um, and they knew how they were going to go about it. In Bayhead, one of the reasons we haven't finished that project is that they didn't know for the longest time what sort of foundation they were going to be required to build, how high they were going to have to go, or what their soil conditions were going to require them to do once they knew the FEMA regulations. Um, And in Point Pleasant, Carlos um, was constantly jiggering things back and forth with the town, trying to figure out what he could get permits for, what he couldn't get permits for, um, waiting on grants, qualifications, and insurance settlements. There's so much uncertainty um, from the point of view of regulation and financing these projects that I am blown away that two of them were able to finish mm-hmm. and, and certainly understand that the third one is still pushing for it. But they'll, they'll get there. Now, do you think it was helpful that Carlos, you know, pretty much took on the role of general contractor for his project? Is it more beneficial that he as the homeowner was so upfront with the community and the building department, you know, to, to get things to move forward rather than that third party of a builder? Well, I think that Carlos is a rare bird. <laughs> uh, I don't know anybody who's more squared away than Carlos is. And he was on the phone, as we all know, the morning after the storm, before the floodwaters had even receded, filing his claim. He kayaked out of his house and practically went to the building department after that, but he saw his family first. I sat with him in the building department in Point Pleasant. That was one of my first um, ways of being exposed to what this whole process was going to be. And even building departments across the area were still struggling to figure out what they were going to require of their constituents. I mean, it's really hard to nail down exactly what the first step is. And Carlos was the one who was able to figure that out and map his route to the finish. Well, despite all that, though, there seems to be generally a spirit of cooperation between homeowners and builders and the code officials to make sure that they get as much done as physically as possible. Would you agree? I definitely saw that. And I don't know if it was because it was for the show or the homeowners, but um, everybody pulled together and got this done. And I'm really impressed by that cooperation. Sarah Monson, thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. My pleasure. Thank you. Still ahead, a wrap-up of the program and a look at what's coming up in the weeks ahead as the Money Pit's coverage of this old house, Jersey Shore Rebuilds, continues. You live in a Money Pit.
The Money Pit is presented by Owens Corning and The Home Depot. The Home Depot and Owens Corning have teamed up to show you just how quick and easy it is to make simple upgrades to your home insulation and save money on energy costs. What's your insulation project? Learn more. Visit homedepot.owenscorning.com today. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Broadcasting today from Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey. We are here uh, to celebrate the wrap, the final day of production for this old house, Jersey Shore Rebuilds. You know, we'd really like to thank the team at Red Devil for making the show possible. Their company has a rich history of innovation and some really great new products that are being used by the pros involved in the reconstruction here and in construction projects all across the country. So here to tell us more is John Primavera, the VP of Industrial Sales. Welcome, John. Thank you, Leslie, Tom. It's nice to be here. So, John, you know, with all these homes being rebuilt right now, there are a lot of opportunities for folks to improve the greenness of their home, to do a home, to do a home remodeling project, home construction project, a new home project that is more environmentally responsible than ever before. And I think what's really cool is that manufacturers like Red Devil are serving that need by developing fantastic products that are actually very green. You have a new one I want to ask you about. It's a construction adhesive. That's such an important product if you want to build a home that can stand up to a storm. Tell me about the new Green Guard product. Well, Green Guard, uh, many of our products are actually Green Guard certified. Okay. Construction adhesives, uh, which, which is uh, about a dozen different construction adhesives are all Green Guard certified, which means they they have been uh, certified uh, to be low in VOC content, and uh, this is very important, especially when interior work when you're caulking windows or when you're using construction adhesive on subfloors, drywall, because all products emit these uh, VOCs, and and our products are very low. Uh, VOC and they're certified, Green Guard certified. Mm-hmm. And they still work very well. They and perform, they work as well perfectly. as any of the traditional products, which many of them are solvent-based, which are not as uh, friendly. Yep. And you guys have really even gone above and beyond because the, the indoor air quality has certified them for children in schools, <clears throat> wow. which is huge. You know, We're in an area that unfortunately is forced to rebuild so greatly and to have the opportunity including the schools by mm-hmm. the way yep. you know to have the opportunity to make sure that things are adhered well and up to snuff with air quality is very very important now i think what's also important to point out john is that you know you guys do so much at red devil that involves spackling and patching and spackling and patching always tends to lead to the next step sanding and priming but you guys have really become so innovative in creating a one-time patch and prime product that doesn't require priming. So tell us about that. Well, actually, the one-time brand of spackling is known worldwide. We were the innovators of this lightweight spackling. We sell it in 20 different countries and in 20 different languages. But uh, one of the the, uh, things that uh, you have to do sometimes is prime the spackling Mm -hmm. before you paint it. We've now advanced that to the next level where one-time patch and prime is a primer and patch all in one. So the homeowner can just patch it and paint right over it, and there's no need to prime it as traditional spacklings have. have and let's face acquired. it, that's what most folks want to do. And even today, they'll spackle, and then they'll paint, then but, but you it. still see it. <laughs> right. You know? so, so this is going to really um, save that step. Now, John, you Red Devil was a New Jersey-based company for many years. You made a lot of your tools here. What are some of the other products that Red Devil makes? Well, we've, we've made uh, painter's tools for many years, putty knives, paint scrapers, and, and the like. 
We also manufacture a full line of caulks and sealants, silicones, acrylics, uh, sealants that are used for window and door uh, weatherization. Great products, great brand. John Primavera from Red Devil, thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Thank you, guys. It was nice being here. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Hey, we want to take this opportunity to thank the cast and crew of this old house for letting us take part in yet another season with them, especially one that's so meaningful to me as a Jersey Shore native. And we want to remind you that this old house, Jersey Shore Rebuilds, kicks off its 34th season this week on PBS, so be sure to check your local listings. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.